All God's people said, aren't you glad salvation is here today? Are you glad of that today? Do you understand that Jesus is our salvation? He is eternal life. And He's the one, apart from Him, there is no salvation. But He's here. He lives in us. And that's the means of our salvation. Well, it's good to see you today. Let's thank the Lord for the salvation that He's given to us in Christ. Father, we just thank You so very much for our salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You, Father. He's not only our salvation. He is our sanctification. He is our wisdom. He is everything that we're not, and we thank you. And Lord, we just pray in this service today that he'll be glorified. Father, thank you that we have the opportunity to be vessels, and we can just join you in what you're doing. And Father, I just pray again that you would just be glorified in all that's done today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Boy, the rapture hit both services. Mother's Day. But I know it's not the rapture because I know some of them aren't here. <laughs> they go, I go. Anyway, why don't, well, you look like you need exercise. Everybody stand up and find about five people around you and make them smile. They haven't smiled yet. Okay, wonderful surprises today, and we're so grateful to have Patrick Newble, which is our new children's pastor. Now, understand what I'm saying, children's pastor, that's birth to fifth grade, and we want to welcome him here. His family's not here yet, but Patrick, come on up. Give him a big <laughs> off the town welcome. Not a loud dresser at all, but I, I just was, <laughs> I like your tie. But he usually has his boots on, so he's, he's acting decent this morning. But we're glad to have him. He's going to say something to you in a minute, but first of all, before he does, I want all the moms and the grandmoms, and boy, did I ever catch it to first service. They said you left out the great-grandmoms. I think, oh, okay, don't want to do that. So young moms, older moms, uh, grandmoms. <laughs> And great-grandma, now listen, listen, before we do this, if you're here and you're, you don't have a child, you're just as precious in God's sight. I want you to understand that. You see, your quiver is full if it's even if it's empty. You see, God determines all of that, and just because someone, that's the responsibility He's given them, we never want to overlook somebody that is not a mom. You're just as special. This just happens to be the day that we recognize the moms, the grandmoms. <laughs> And the great grandmoms. So if you're here, listen, how much respect do you get in the whole year? I mean, you know, think about it. One day, two minutes in a service, but take all you can get. So we want all the moms just to stand right now. Let's give them a big old hand. Would you do that? Let's just, they deserve this.
thank you. We want you to know we appreciate you. I was in a prayer group this morning. As Dave Cowell said to me, he said, Wayne, now remember, if it wasn't for your mama, you wouldn't be here. So we understand. Hey, we definitely appreciate you so very much. We want you to know that. And uh, there's a reason I told Patrick to to wait just a moment. He's going to say something to you just to bring a greeting. And and then he's going to pray. He's going to be working with the children and the grandchildren. And uh, we want uh, him to pray for the moms and the grandmoms and the great-grandmoms that are here today. So, Patrick, have a word and then pray for us. Yeah, will do. I am Patrick Newbill, and I'm from Tennessee. I have had a couple of people already ask me if I eat possum, and no, I don't. (laughs) And I do have on shoes, so uh, I'm getting used to Albuquerque already. Anyhow, I will be working with the children birth through fifth grade with Kids Express and all. I look forward to that. I love teaching kids about the Lord and uh, just putting their love for the Word and their love for the Lord into their hearts. It's so much easier to build them than to fix them. And so I want to teach them while they're young. And uh, with that, you will see me quite often. You'll see me over in the hallways. Feel free when you see me to say, uh, you know, hi, I'm Bonnie. And if you want to do that for a few months, don't everybody say, hi, I'm Bonnie. But, <laughs> but there is a, there's a lady that I will never forget because for the first three or four months I was at my last church, every time she saw me, she said, hi, I'm Shannon with a C. And I will never forget Shannon with a C. So I feel more than welcome three or four months, even if we go out to eat a lot. <laughs> Tell me again, because I forget. So anyhow. With that, let me pray for these moms. Father, we are so thankful for the many blessings in our lives. And what could be more than the blessing of children? They are a a heritage, a gift from you. And so, Lord, I lift up these moms, especially with young children, that you will remind them to diligently look for opportunities to teach their children about you, to model a lifestyle that reflects a love and a desire to be obedient and to live for you. And I pray for the older moms with older children and grandmothers and such, and even for those who no longer have their children to hold, that you would give them peace and comfort and just a constant remembrance that you are on the throne, that you gave these children to them as a gift. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We also have a very special baby dedication today. Dave Eustace is going to come and take this part, Dave. This is my privilege this this morning. Uh, Patrick, I feel kind of funny up here with you here, but uh, Curtis was was going to be with us, and Curtis has laryngitis, I understand, so here we are. Isn't she dandy? <clears throat> we want to uh, just dedicate this young lady to the Lord and the parents to raising the child for the Lord. And uh, this morning, I want to ask a few questions, and I have to put these glasses on. If they'll stay on. All right. 
Do you acknowledge your child to be a gift from God and give thanks for his blessing? Do you dedicate your child to the Lord who gave this child to you? Do you promise to raise your child with the love and knowledge of the Lord? Do you promise to give your child every possible benefit of a Christ-centered home and church? A lot of obligation there. <laughs> well, church, <clears throat> God has given all of us the responsibility to train up a child in the way he should go. As a church, do you promise to love and, and uh, I want to say, live before this child a godly life and show it Christ through your living? Yes. Amen. Well, let's pray together and thank the Lord for what he's done in bringing, I, you know, I didn't even, uh, tell me her name. Elizabeth. Hope Elizabeth. All right. All right. Well, let's pray together and just thank the Lord and hope God has a... <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> she is a dandy. Well, well, let's pray together. Would you join me? Father, we love you and we thank you that you bring our children into the world and, and you uh, entrust us with them to bring them up to know you. And Lord, I, I pray today that uh, all of us would be aware of our part in this child's life in teaching her about God and about uh, her giving her life to him and following him all the days of her life. Bless her. And Lord, I, I, just, I just ask that you would bless the parents. And, and Lord, as they uh, live before her, may they present Jesus to her in a manner when she is older that she will say, I want to be just like my mom and dad. Bless them. And for what you do in this life, we'll thank you and praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus, you are fairer than 10,000, lovelier than all we've ever seen. We make much of who you are, and we lift up your great name. We thank you for being our high priest. We thank you for praying for us, your people. Make us one, O oh God, in spirit and truth, as we live for you. Before the seated. I hope you're listening to the words that we're singing. I so, so love those words. With Christ I cannot die. His name, my name is written on His heart. I just hope that blesses you. I ought to encourage your life. Let's just draw that circle around ourselves this morning as we go before the one that has saved us, the one who has loved us, the one who has done all these things that we have sung about for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's just go before Him. Go into the throne room. He welcomes you there. If you're a believer today, just walk right in. And I want you in the quietness and the stillness of these moments just to tell Him what you want to tell Him this morning. Just praise Him. Adore Him in the quietness of these moments. <clears throat> Thank you.
Ask him if there's anything, any sin in your life this morning. Ask him if there's something, as David prayed one time, Lord, you have searched me, search me again. Ask him if there's anything that you haven't even seen that he wants to enlighten you to this morning. And remember, repentance is not promising to do better. Repentance is changing allegiance, letting Jesus overcome you. So as you confess and repent, just remember he already knows it. This is for your benefit, not his. But just allow him to deal personally with you for a few moments. In this prayer time, we're also preparing to worship the Lord with our offerings. And so just for a moment or two, just say, Lord, you are Lord of everything in my life. You own everything, and I want you, Lord, to tell me what you want me to give this morning. And just do what he says. Anything he demands of you, he lives within you to enable. So just just ask him what it is he wants you to give this morning as an act of worship to him. Father, we just thank you so much for how you've reminded, rehearsed for us our salvation this morning, the beautiful words that we have sung that have been carefully prayed over and thought through. And Lord, we just thank you so much that Jesus, Lord, is our life and our salvation. And Father, as we come to this time of honoring you and worshiping you, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each of our hearts. Teach us, Lordship, Father. Teach us that you own everything. And Lord, let us just be free to do what you tell us to do. Because, Father, we can trust you. You're our provider. And, Lord, don't let the world define us by how we live. Let, but Father, may we be defined by how Jesus lives his life in us. And, Father, we just praise you. And I pray, Father, that this would be an honor to you and blessing to you as we give this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my. grace my fears relieve how precious did that grace the hour I first believed my chains are
Father, we thank you that the life you give us is eternal. We thank you, Father, that the life you give us is the Lord Jesus. He is the life. And we thank you, Father, that means forever. Lord, we praise you that not only will you be ours, but we'll be yours forever and ever and ever. And Lord, as we come to your word today, I pray, O oh God, that in my weakness your strength will be made perfect. As we get into the word, you'd speak. Speak to me, Father, as I seek to teach. Teach me. Lord, may we all be open to that which you have to say. And Lord, we thank you that when Jesus is being Jesus in us, we see through your eyes, we love through your love. Lord, it's you living your life through us. So we want to praise you ahead of time, Father, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, would you turn with me this morning to the book of Jude, the book of Jude, one chapter, a little small book. The book of Jude, verses 3 and 4, and let me just say this while you're doing that. First of all, I got a note, and I messed up again. I left out stepmothers. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. You're certainly included. I want you to know that. 
But also, little Hope Elizabeth. Oh, my. Stacy, I'm so glad Hope Elizabeth took after you. I'm sorry, Alex. This Hope Elizabeth, <laughs> that's what they said about mine, too, is Alex and Stacy Paxson. Dave's getting a little old. He can remember. But Alex and Stacy Paxson, and that's her mom and sisters behind her, and little Hope Elizabeth, we're just so grateful today. I heard that you might be leaving us and going to Colorado. You hadn't talked to me about that. We need to pray over there. <laughs> we're excited for you. But I, I just wanted you to know who the parents were. That's Alex and Stacy Paxson. We love them. Okay, Jude, verses 3 and 4. And today we're going to be talking about the series is entitled Snakes Around the Water. Today we're going to talk about the battle for our faith. Now you may wonder, what in the world is Wayne doing preaching from the book of Jude on Mother's Day? Well, I want you to know by the time I finish today, you'll know exactly why I'm preaching in Jude on Mom's Day because it has to do with families. It has to do with the, the church. You see, our faith, which encompasses all that we believe about our precious Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, has always been the Son of God, and who became the Son of Man, born of a virgin in Bethlehem, and who lived a sinless life as the God-man, and who died on a cruel cross, paying a debt he did not owe when we owed a debt we could not pay, and who bodily resurrected from the grave on the third day, and who ascended on high, who was glorified, and who now sends His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come and live in those who have received Him as their Lord and Savior, to do in us and through us what we could never do. All of this has been under attack since the beginning of time. Now, the attack centers on the Word of God. Why? Because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. The strategy of our attackers is to destroy and to distort the Word of God so that the faith of believers everywhere can somehow end up shipwrecked. The Word of God, which John tells us in his gospel, John 17, 17, as he, as he rehearses for us the, the high priestly prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus praying to his Father says in verse 17 of John 17, sanctify them in the truth. He says, your word is truth. And the word that is truth has survived centuries of the devil's attack. But in the 21st century, I think more than any other time in history, we desperately need to hear what Jude has to say to us. He is warning us about those who are determined to destroy the basis of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we need to realize, first of all, that we're under attack, but then secondly, we need to learn to recognize those who are seeking to deceive us. Now, listen, from within our very churches in our day, not from without, from within. Judas told us in verse 1 and 2 that we don't have to worry about the outcome because we are secure in Christ and we are stable in Christ. But the way in which we understand this is by learning to yield and walk in the truth that we know. You see, First John would say, John would say, walk in the truth, practice the truth. And this is what he's trying to say here, and he will as we continue to study this epistle of Jude. Only as we walk daily yielded to him, do we even recognize that there are deceivers in our midst? And not only that, do we understand what we believe and how to combat that era? As we learn to walk this way, we'll begin to recognize and also to be convicted to contend for our faith. How important 
Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is. Now, in this battle that is literally age-old, Jude's going to tell us three things today. Now, he'll build on these later on, but three things that should, well, first of all, enlighten us. Secondly, it should encourage us, and it'll also challenge us big time today. And I think you'll see the tie that we'll make at the end of the message with this being Mother's Day. I think you'll understand that. Three things. First of all, Jude gives us the urgent appeal to contend against those who seek to destroy our faith. He gives us an urgent appeal to contend with those who seek to destroy our faith. Verse 3, beloved. And remember that word beloved, it's like Wayne Allen or my mama called me wee-wee when I was growing up. But it's a tender word. It's an affectionate word. (laughs) I've already said it too many times and I've been nailed with it. Beloved, beloved. He says, while I was making every effort to write about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. Now, we don't know for sure if Jude may have started off the letter writing to believers, and some think that they were brand new believers, but we don't know if he started off writing about these believers, and then suddenly he was overwhelmed by the Spirit of God, because all this is under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. he, he he, He felt led to warn us against false teachers. We don't know that. But whatever it was, Jude is urgent in the warning the believers that he's writing to of the false teachers that were already in their midst, in their very presence. He starts by saying, while I was making every effort, now that word, two words, every effort, is one word in the Greek. It's the word spoothie. And, and it expresses prudent haste that comes from a great sense of urgency. It's not frivolent. You see, sometimes you get in a haste and you forget things and you, you do crazy things. But this is prudent haste. This is think while you're doing it, but there's an urgency that's driving it. While I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation. Now this word common is the word koinos. And what it means is that which is open that which is common to everybody. He's not talking specifically about the doctrine of our salvation, and he's not talking about even the means of our salvation, but he's talking about our very salvation itself. He's talking about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that delivered every person that is a believer from the curse of sin and put us up into the kingdom of his Son. You know, it's, 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 it's what we all have in common. It, it's a beautiful thing. It doesn't matter what country I go to. I have something in common with a believer there. doesn't matter if I can speak Romanian or not. doesn't matter if I can speak Swahili. It doesn't matter if I can speak Zulu. It doesn't matter because we have something in common. This is where we can relate over in Africa, both in South Africa and Uganda and also in Romania. I told him, I said, I don't know how to pastor a church in Romania. I don't know how to pastor a church in Uganda or South Africa. As a matter of fact, I'm still working on how to pastor a church in America. But I said, there's one thing we have in common. And that's our salvation. And let me talk to you about our salvation. Let me talk to you about how to walk with the Christ of our salvation, how to live your Christian life. That's the way we find a connect. That is the link between all of us. It's a common salvation. So whether it's Jew, whether it's Gentile, whether it's a black, white, oriental, doesn't matter. We all, if we're saved today, have a common salvation. We all came in the same way. As a matter of fact, Peter says we, we received a like salvation that Paul had. In other words, everybody gets the same thing. We came in the same way. Our salvation is common to all. So Jude says, while he was writing about their common salvation, it says he felt the necessity to write to you, and he goes on. But the word necessity there is the word anagki. 
It reflects a compulsion, but it's more than that because a compulsion sometimes can be a fleshly thing. It's a pressure to do something, but yet it's more than that. It's, a, it's an absolute must to do something. Let's put it this way. Under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, what he's saying is, I felt a divine urgency. It came from God himself to tell you something. I had a divine urgency to write you. And boy, when you see that in Scripture, immediately take note because there's something he really wants us to hear. I had a divine urgency to write you. Why? He goes on to say, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith. That word appealing is a beautiful word. Parakaleo, it means I felt, I sensed a divine urgency. I'm called alongside you. It means to give instruction. It means to, to encourage somebody by instructing them or warning them. He's appealing to them. There's something he wants them to know. And in verse 3 again, he says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write you appealing for what? That you contend earnestly for the faith. Now, that word contend earnestly is the word that's kind of hard to say. It's epagonizome. <laughs> you remember when Dr. Spiros Zoviades came to our church? Were any of you here about six years ago when he surprised me and showed up here? And the next morning he gets up, and I finally talked him into preaching. He would, wouldn't let me. He had made me preach first to see if I was still studying. And he got up the next morning and preached, and he said to, said to everybody here, he said, your pastor will never learn to pronounce the Greek words properly. <laughs> well, he really encouraged me after 10 years of studying with him. <clears throat> but he couldn't say Albuquerque. He butchered Albuquerque. So when he finished the second message, I said, Brother Spiros, <laughs> when you learn how to say Albuquerque, I'm going to work a little harder on my Greek pronunciation. But anyway, the word means to contend with great effort. There's a fight on. The fight is on. The battle is on. It's a word that means to strive earnestly, to, to fight for something earnestly. Now, wait a minute. I, I had this divine leading. I had this divine urgency to write to you and I, to come alongside you, to appeal to you, to warn you, to, to help you understand it. You need to contend earnestly. For what? He says to contend earnestly for the faith. Now, when you see the term, the faith, definite article in front of the word faith, that refers to the whole of all the Christian doctrine, beginning with the doctrine of the deity of Christ. You see, if you find a person who's wrong in their deity of Christ and their understanding of the deity of Christ, it's like sending a rocket to the moon that's four degrees off down here and ends up three planets over when it gets there. It's got to be right there. And so Jude is sensing the urgency to get the believers that he's writing to that had a common salvation as his to earnestly contend for the truth of God's Word. Here's where the faith is found right here from Genesis to Revelation. And then he adds, which was once for all handed down to the saints. Now he's speaking again, of, of, like I said, of the Scripture that has been passed down for years. It was orally passed down, and then it was written down, and it's been given to us through the ages specifically concerning the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, be careful. You see, some people love that word contend. Let's fight. Woo Let's fight. Let's get our dukes up. Let's go, let's go get stronger. Let's get our weapons out. Careful, careful. To contend earnestly does not mean to start another crusade. Remember the crusades? And they would burn people at the stake if they didn't believe exactly the way they believed or didn't agree with God's Word. No, no. We know from the New Testament that if we contend, if we fight against anything, that our, 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 our weapons for battle are not of the flesh. 
They're divinely powerful, as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for the pulling down of strongholds. You see, when these false teachers get a hold of the minds of people, they build strongholds in their minds. That casts itself against the knowledge of God. Ephesians 6 tells us why. These, our weapons are not fleshly. It says, for we're not contending with flesh and blood. Well, wait a minute, Wayne. The false teachers are flesh and blood. That's right. But there's someone behind that. First John taught us that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. He's behind the system of this world, the way it does things, the way it thinks, the way it rationalizes things, everything. It's all there. He's, and everything's against God. It's God is left out of the equation. And so we understand then that contending for the believer is different from contending in a ring somewhere where two boxers slug it out. It's not weapons of the flesh. It's a spiritual battle. So Jude's idea of contending for the faith, as you will see in this epistle, is living out what we say we believe. Or John would say it a different way as we said earlier. He'd say walk in the truth. Practice the truth. It's not in how you talk. It's in how you walk. And so contending for the faith then doesn't have the idea of fighting somebody. It has the idea of living it out. Not only knowing it and speaking it, but living it out. It's the same thought that Paul had when he wrote to the Philippians. Every church had a problem with false doctrine. You don't see it as much in Philippians as you do in Ephesus, and you do it in Colossians, Colossians particularly Colossians with the Gnostic heresy, and you see the other epistles. And his idea of standing, remember in Ephesians 6 when he gives the weapons of our warfare, which really embodies the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says in the end to just stand. Now how do you stand? Look what he says in Philippians 1.27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, that's how you stand, with one mind, striving together for the faith in the gospel. So Jude is saying with urgency in his voice, we must contend for the faith. And the way to do that is to walk your talk, to walk your talk. Yes, first of all, know what you believe. One of the biggest uh, the, uh, uh, pray that, that, that the false teachers have is the Baptist. And they say that. I've read that. And they say that because most Baptists don't know why they believe or what they believe. Yes, you must know what you believe. But that's the only part of it. If we're not living what we believe, we've just disarmed anybody. And we've disarmed our own testimony. And so the way you contend for the faith is to live out what you say you believe. That's the best way in the world. First of all, know what it is. Secondly, to live it out. There's an urgency that we get serious about the Christian faith. Because if we're not living out what we say we believe, again, we become the fodder. We become the prey for a false teacher. They know that we can say it, but they've seen in our life we're not living it. So they know they can disarm us, and they know that they can find our weak points. The urgent appeal to contend against those who seek to destroy our faith. But the second thing that he does here, and he wants to comfort these. Remember, beloved, he's not upbraiding them. He's, he's encouraging them. And he wants them to know that these false teachers that are around them, God already knows about that. And so he, the second thing is the ultimate destiny of those who seek to destroy our faith. He wants, he wants them to understand that God already knows and God already has prepared a judgment for a false teacher. Now understand something. There's a difference between a person who is simply deceived. In fact, at the end of Jude, we're going to be told to show mercy to those who have fallen into that trap. 
is going to be three classes of believers who have fallen into the trap of false doctrine. That's a deceived person. That's a big difference from what he's talking about in Jude. In Jude, it's a deceptive person, and he's going to, go to, he's going to tell us at the end of the epistle that they're devoid of the Spirit. They don't even know Christ from a hole in the ground, but they come in among us. So make sure you make that distinction. Deceived, deceptive. It's in the motivation of the individual. So secondly, the ultimate destiny of those who seek to destroy the truth. What is the ultimate destiny? Well, why is Jude so urgent about contending for the faith? Well, first of all, he tells us before we get to that point is is, uh, the point of of their destiny that they're present. He says, look at verse 4. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Now, the word persons in the plural kind of brings a little fear and a chill to my heart because that means that's plural. There's more than one. There's more than one. And what he says is they're already in the congregation. They're already amongst you. They're not going to come in from the outside. They're already there. They have crept in. The words crept in unnoticed is the word parasiduo. It means to enter in craftily, secretly, without being noticed like a thief would be noticed. It's like somebody breaking into your house. They're not going to make a lot of noise to let you know they're there. They're going to come in quietly and secretly. One of the things that we had experience in Uganda what a country. And uh, <laughs> Jim, I didn't have my rifle. I wished I had it. But it was, we, we, they took us to a game park. That was fun. I've never been to a game park in that part of the country. I've been in South Africa and also Zimbabwe, but I've never been in Uganda, the Queen Elizabeth National Park. This was a reward day. They said after the 12 and 13-hour days we've been putting in, they wanted to take us and help us to enjoy one day. And it was up near Zaire or the Congo. It was on Lake Victoria. And we, we've got to see things that you normally don't get to see. And the crocs that were out. I mean, we were in a little boat going along the, uh, a lake there. And the, the crocodiles. You know, a crocodile is an alligator on steroids. I mean, you think an alligator is mean. Man, a croc will eat an alligator. I mean, these, these guys are after you. They are, they're bloodthirsty. They're very aggressive, very mean animals. And it's amazing, you couldn't see them unless you knew what you were looking for. They would lie on the beach, and if you did not know what you were looking for, they were so camouflaged, they were right under our nose, but you couldn't see them. And Jude wants them to understand. You know, a crocodile will be out there, and you see two little eyeballs, then all, and above the water, and all of a sudden they go, Poop, and they don't even make a ripple. And all of a sudden you go, Poop, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Poop. I mean, they're there. But, buddy, you better know what you're looking for. Jude wants the believers to know that these false teachers, they didn't know it, but their judgment had already been sealed. Now, they're there in their presence, but God's aware of that. And he wants them to understand that God's already judged them. There's no hope for these people. They're like the walking dead, if you've ever heard that, like death row. Their judgment is sealed. So Jude goes on to say, those who were, he speaks of these that have crept in unnoticed, those who were long before marked out for this condemnation. Marked out is the Greek word uh, prographo. Pro means beforehand, and grapho means to write. In other words, something was written down before it ever happened. And he wants them to know in this verse, it means that their judgment was long ago posted, sealed, and will one day be delivered. And there is no hope for these people who are within the church that do not know the Lord Jesus, who are deceptive and are seeking to destroy and and undermine the doctrine of our faith. Even in our day, you can see this word, because when a court case comes up, it is posted in a courthouse as to what is going to happen. 
So that's what the idea is. It's posted. It hasn't happened yet. So Jude is declaring that this judgment for these that have crept in unnoticed has already been settled in God's court. Judgment sealed. There is no hope. It's just a matter of time until it takes place. Look with me, if you will. Go left over to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2. If you've noticed, every second epistle usually deals with false doctrine or false teachers. And 2 Peter and Jude are almost identical. It's amazing the one sheds light on the other. And so if you go to 2 Peter chapter 2, let's read the first three verses of chapter 2. But false prophets also arose among the people, pointing back, just as there will also be false teachers among you. Now notice that, among you. He says, he says who will secretly, remember how they creep in, introduce destructive heresies even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. And that has the idea of, of, of the, we get the word plastic from it. And when plastic is something you take and you heat it until it becomes moldable, and then you change it into whatever you want it to be. So they'll use words that we're familiar with, but they'll change the meanings of those words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction. Notice how they're bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Their destruction is not asleep. In other words, it's been signed, it's been sealed, and it is soon to be delivered, and every day they live, they're bringing it closer because there is no hope for these people whatsoever. So that's what Jude tells us. There will be no doubt as to who they are, as we'll see in the following verses that we get to, but they were there. They were there. They're here today. They're here in the churches today. I'm not speaking just of our church. I'm saying in the churches of today. Right in the midst of our, right in our midst, in 2008, they're here. And he wants to warn them. He said, I, I feel like if you, if you don't understand, first of all, to know what you believe, and secondly, the urgency to live it out, you, the false teachers are right where you are. And they want to lead you astray from the doctrine of Christ. We got to see while we were in this game park, when a game park is like a zoo, except you get out in a cage with them. I mean, <laughs> you just don't get out of your car. You're out there with them. I mean, there's no fences to protect you. You're just right there. We were riding down this dirt road, looked over to the side, and there was a male lion that had just killed an animal. By the way, that's pretty cruel. We need to let the cruelty to animals know that this lion was pretty merciless here. But they had this, this, they had this game down. And it was just ripping it apart and eating that game and blood all over its mouth and everything. And we were watching 30 feet away, as close as I am to the front row. And there was a guy riding a bicycle down the road. We're thinking, no, 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 that's not a good idea. And there was a van in front of us who completely missed it. If you weren't looking, you'd miss it. And they stopped and were getting out of the van. And we said, no, 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 get back in the van, get back in the van. I was looking around and somebody had to point it out to me. I didn't even see it. Here's this male lion just devouring this kill, fresh kill. And over about 20 foot from it, lying down in the, in the grass, and it, was, it was identical to its coloring, the grass and all, how well it was camouflaged, was a lioness. They're the bigger killers, by the way. And it was lying there, and when I finally spotted it, it was watching me. <laughs> and it didn't have a smile on its face. It was kind of like, I'm thinking it was probably thinking, you know, if I could get you, that's six months of a meal. I mean, good grief, that, that'll last a while. And I was thinking, good night. It was right there. And I couldn't see it. 
That's his point. He said, they're right around you. You can't even see them unless. You see, only as you're living submissive to the Lord can you see through his eyes. Only then can you recognize deception. Only then are you convicted to contend for your faith. And that's his point. They're there. They're already there. Yes, their judgment is sealed. Yes, you're going to be okay in the end. But, buddy, you may suffer a lot in the meantime if you don't understand. It's not just what you believe. It's are you willing to live what you believe. I tell you, one of the easiest things in the world is to preach. But it's a bigger problem during the week to live what you've said. You see, read a man before you read his book. Find out this is what you're going to see now. The lifestyle of the believer is going to show up the lifestyle of these false teachers. The urgent appeal to contend against those who are, who are out to, to, to destroy your faith. Then the ultimate end and also their presence of those who seek to destroy our faith. But the third thing that Jude brings up is the ungodly lifestyle of those who seek to destroy our faith and the contrast. You see, when you're living as you're supposed to be living, not talking, walking, when you're living that way, you see this, but you don't see it if you're not living that way. And look what he says there. You, you have to understand he's going to describe for us who these false teachers are, their attitudes, and the way they live. Three things, not so much what they say, but how they live. Three things he's going to give us today, and he will build on this as we go through Jude. He first of all says, and there are three things he mentions here in this verse, ungodly persons, number one, who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness, number two, and deny, number three, our, our master, our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And there are three things here that he, I want you to see today that identifies those who seek to destroy and to erode our doctrine of faith. The first thing Jude mentions is the key to all three. This is the first thing you notice. The first thing you notice. He says they're ungodly persons. The word ungodly is asibome. Ah means without. It's a privative ah. And then sibome means without any reverence, without any holy fear for who God is and what his standards are. They have none whatsoever. These snakes who get around the word of God and seek to pervert it have no fear have no reverence for God whatsoever. Their lifestyle reflects the very opposite of everything that God requires. They don't care what He requires. They, you'll see in a moment what they do with the message of grace. They don't care about the standards of God. They don't care what the Word of God has to say. I've had so many people who walked away from me and said, I don't care what the Word of God has to say. This is what I believe. That's exactly the attitude of a false teacher. Am I saying that person's a false teacher? No. But I am saying that's exactly the attitude of a false teacher. Now think with me. False doctrine flows out of false devotion. In one who does in no way respect the ways and the standards of God. So the second thing, the first thing is they have no respect for God, for who He is, for what He says, for the standards He requires. Secondly, He says, who turn the grace of God into licentiousness. Now, what in the world is licentiousness? A lot of big words in Scripture, we don't know what they are. Well, it's fairly easy. The Greek word is asogeia. It it's basically means it's a license. It's the absence of any restraint. It's the insatiable desire for pleasure. It's a wantonness to be satisfied that's never satisfied. Have you ever studied the book of James? It talks about how we pursue, we pursue, we pursue, we get, but then we, when we get it, we don't have it, it has us. And we're never satisfied. 
licentiousness. The individual who does not respect God, does not respect the standards of God, what he's done, he so rationalized his own thinking to where whatever he wants to do is justified. He chooses to do what pleases his flesh. Now, he turns the grace of God into licentiousness. Now, you understand what he's saying? The grace of God is the freedom we have in Christ. It's who Christ is. But do you realize that freedom in Scripture is never the right to do as you please? Never. It's the power to do as you should according to that which God requires. Whatever he demands, he lives within us to enable. But you see, these people are like animals, like that lion who just kills mercilessly, wants to eat, so he kills something. He doesn't care. There's no standard there. But the third thing he mentions here, and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, the word deny may not be what you think it is. It's the word arneome, and it means to refuse. Not to say, hey, they may walk around and say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's the way they get their crowds. But they refuse to bow to him. They refuse his being the only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. It's in the present tense, which means this is the lifestyle. They may talk it, but they don't walk it. They are not willing to surrender to the Word of God and to the will of God. They will not look at Jesus as being their master and as their Lord. So their pattern then is to teach. Since, since they live this way, that's what they teach. It's that which pleases the flesh. It's exactly what, the, what Paul said to Timothy in the last days. There will be people who will tickle your ears. They'll make you feel good. They'll make you entertain. They'll tell you what you want to hear. That's exactly what these people do. And they have it, they're, remember, they're deceptive. They know what they're doing, and they're good at it. So what does Jude do? First of all, an urgent appeal to contend. And remember how to contend is by the way you live, not by what you say, and not by your fist, but how you live, to contend with those who are seeking to destroy the faith. Their ultimate, their ultimate destiny is that they're already judged. They're already judged. They're, they're the walking dead, and there's nothing that can help them. And then thirdly, the ungodly lifestyle of those who seek to destroy our faith. Now you say, what's this got to do with moms on mom, mama's day, mom, Mother's Day? Are you kidding me? This is the challenge to you and your family. You see, we're in a war, and it's a battle that can be won if we'll start in our homes. In Proverbs, it says, train up a child in the way it should go. That word train up doesn't mean to put on a military hat, crack a whip, and give a, a group of instructions. No, it comes from a Hebrew word. And the Hebrew word has to do with a paste that they would put on a newborn's inside of a newborn's mouth. And they'd rub it on the inside, and it causes that little baby to start wanting to suck. So it can begin to get the nourishment that it needs. So what he's saying when he says train up, he's talking about create a thirst in your children, that they're going to want what you have. And the greatest way to combat false doctrine is, is, is to live out what you say you believe before your children. And if you're living before them, listen, you can tell them till you fall on the floor, they see through it like a screen door. But if you live it, it creates a thirst in their lives. They want what mama has. And mama has the greatest influence. Even though the father has the greatest responsibility, the mama has the greatest influence. And it starts right there. And if it's not going to be lived in the family, if it's not going to be lived in the home, then what it does, it opens them up to become prey to a false teacher. Do you realize that when you teach your children what's right and what's wrong, that's according to you? And as soon as they leave your family and they go to school, what's right and wrong at that college or university is not what, you, what, they taught, what you taught them. It changes. 
But if you'll teach them the Word of God from the time they're able to even listen, the time they're able to learn, live before them what you're saying, what happens is that's good and evil, and good and evil never changes no matter if you're at university or you're still at home. You teach right and wrong. That's your standard. You teach good and evil. That's God's standards. And you teach them to respect it and to live it. And as you live it before them, they get a clear picture of what you're trying to say. So on Mom's Day, what a better time to talk about the battle for our faith. It can be solved right in the family. And we're going to have Father's Day coming up in June. Don't worry, I'll, I'll dump the whole load on them. But it's, it's, it's all of our responsibility. Why do we think that the church is supposed to do what the family's not willing to do? Why do we think that the youth pastors and children pastors are supposed to do what the family's supposed to do? We're here to assist you, not to do it. And as we work together, the battle is won. At the place where we stayed in this game park, I loved it. I was just at home. I didn't have a rifle. They didn't have a road, so I couldn't shoot across it. But I, I did get crosshairs in my eyeballs. I mean, we see the big old elephants and woo, and the big tusk about that long. And you see the crocodiles. You see the Cape Buffalo. I must have seen 400 of those Cape Buffalo. And you see the lions. But you know what the biggest killer over there is? It's not a lion, not a Cape Buffalo, not a crocodile. It's a hippo. Did you know that? That's the biggest thing they're afraid of. I did not know until I got there that hippos stay in the water all day long. Do you know that? At night they come out. You don't want to mess with one. They're killers. As a matter of fact, we would eat in this uh, restaurant there. It was part of the game lodge. We'd walk out, and there would be a man standing there. Well, he was armed. He was packing. And he would walk us to our cabins. And I'm thinking, that's nice. I asked him one night. I said, why do you walk us every night to our cabins? He says, well, well it's in what you don't see. I said, what are you talking about? He said, the hippos come up out of the water. We saw the hippos in the water that day. But he said, they come up out of the water, and they graze right where you're standing. Now, they, warthogs were everywhere. They're ugly creatures. I think in the Lion King, they made them look kind of comical. No, no, no. I mean, they, they're ugly on steroids. It's, it's, it's really bad. They've got tusks at a foot long that curl around. I'm thinking, whoa. And they're walking around thinking, nice, nice warthog. You know. But that's not what they were protecting us from. It was from the hippos that we could not see. He said, yes, you can't see them, but they're there. So we're here to guard you against that which you cannot see. Mamas, grandmothers, stepmothers, great-grandmothers, <laughs> hope I got everybody. Understand what you, they can't see. They can't see it. Sometimes we can't see it. Protect them and guard them. Guard the truth. And how do you do that? Teach it to them, but also live it in front of them. And that's exactly what Jude is trying to tell them. It's all right. We're secure in Christ. We're stable in Christ. It's going to come out right in the end. He's going to judge them. Their judgment's sealed. But in the meantime, you better live what you're talking about, or you probably have already fallen into the trap of a false teacher that has taken you away from the centrality of the message, which is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Anything that pulls your attention off of Him, look out, is a false doctrine. Protect it with your life. Don't just know it. Live it. It's all about Him. Well, the battle for our faith. Moms and everybody else, we're praying for you and the family because that's where it starts. We can't win it here at the church. It's going to be one in your family. It's going to be one in your individual lives. Whew. Okay, would you stand with me with your heads bowed and eyes closed? 
Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Father, for showing us in the scriptures that if we're going to talk it and we're not going to walk it, it doesn't mean anything. We've disarmed our own testimony. We have nothing to say to anybody. And Lord, we've become prey to a false teacher. Oh, dear Father, may we never, ever listen to the humanism of this world that draws us back to ourselves instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we live in such a way that people don't see us, they see you. Because we know what's out there, you've told us. And we praise you in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Terry and the group are going to be singing for us. Listen to what they're saying, because these are prayed over and thought through. Listen to what God's saying to your heart today. Are you here today and do not know the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is your salvation? Who is eternal life? If you don't have him, you don't have eternal life in him. And you'd like to receive him today. If you just come right toward me right now, go to my right and your left. Don't even wait. There'll be people that encourage you and pray with you. Are you here today and you'd like to join this church? And knowing already we don't have it all together, no church has it all together, but we just want Jesus to be Jesus in us. And if you'd like to be a part of us and like to join, they'll tell you how. Just go the same place, to my right and your left. But are you here today, and is your life really creating a thirst to know Jesus in other people's lives, especially your children, your family? Maybe you need to come to the altar and pray for somebody who needs that, or nobody will bother you down here, nobody will embarrass you. Just, you just come and feel free to come to the altar. Between you and the Lord, nobody will bother you. As the group sings, listen to what they have to say. Great. 
Father, we are so thankful for that amazing grace that covers us, that changes us, that keeps us. We thank you for the embodiment of all of that grace in the Lord Jesus Christ and the person of his Spirit. And Lord, we thank you that it's in the enabling power, the transforming power of God that we can walk in every day of our life. May our lives, Lord, create a thirst in somebody to want to know the Christ that we know and to understand the doctrine of which we contend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, would you join hands together and uh, reach out? I know you don't like the person next to you. Just join them. And let's just sing. I've already asked permission. Let's just sing this song, okay? Jesus, be Jesus in me. No longer me, but Thee. Resurrection power, fill me this hour. Jesus, be Jesus in me. Now just raise your hands to the Lord. Listen, this week, walk in His grace. Create a thirst for people around you. I love you, but God loves you a lot more. Thank you for coming. See you next time. God bless you.